Right. Hey, thanks, JP. It's so good to get you uh, up here. We're, we're keen to get uh, more and more people um, here through at Lexton uh, so that everyone can see each other. But wow, what a great uh, item just now. And uh, I'm thinking in this season, FGA You've been fantastic. You've been coming up with so many people have been coming up with new songs, new creative projects. There's been baking. There's been singing, songwriting. Oh, my goodness. Uh, this is fantastic. You know, um, just a quick heads up. We are planning some pretty big, cool things for Christmas. I, I can't reveal it just yet, but um, just stand by because there's going to be huge opportunity for us to be able to do something. Um, I think pretty epic in the city of Whitehorse uh, amidst all the other churches also amidst um, uh, this kind of COVID season I think God uh, may even be opening up a very unique window for us to preach the gospel and advance the kingdom but it might involve your participation Let's open with a word of prayer and get right into today's message. Father, I thank you that you are a good God, that you are a God who cares for us. In fact, you created us, Lord. And so today we honor you for that. Uh, today, Lord, we ask that you would speak from your word. Uh, may you convict us and challenge us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So. We've had creative songs. Uh, we know that the, there are a couple of creative things that are coming up um, in the lead up to Christmas. I thought maybe today for today's sermon, I would challenge you to uh, maybe get involved in today's sermon, right? I, I started ministry as a kid's pastor, went through youth ministry, and I know how important it is to have your congregation or your audience, you know, involved with a real stakes sermon. So I thought, hey, let's just, um, if you will, we're going to get into a, a parable, a, a, a play, I guess, uh, from, the, from Scripture. But today, there are four roles in our casting agency that's up for growth. You can, um, you know, you can take part in today's sermon, even in your home and your family. You just go, okay, which one of these four roles do I want to play today? All right. But you're going to have to listen very carefully to these roles because we're really, we're looking for you right now um, to, to, to immerse yourself, you know, get into the character. Some of you will have to like shave, change clothes, whatever it is. Let's get right into it. Um, but today we're going to be looking at a famous drama, a famous drama uh, that just keeps getting told and retold. You know, it's a little bit like Mulan, but, but this is even older. Or even older than the story uh, of Mulan. It happens more often than you would think even. This, this parable, it plays out in our life. Um, and so let's get right into it. There's four roles that, uh, that are up for grabs. The first role is the role called someone. All right. If you want to play someone... Right? Uh, well, it's, um, 
it's a kind of short roll, all right? It's a small roll. So if you if you want something quick and easy, you don't want to get too involved in the epic drama that is about to unfold, you know, maybe this could be you. Uh, this person comes along with a brother, all right? So uh, there is someone, and then there is someone's brother. Okay, so but even though it's a short role, um, it is an important role because everything in today's story depends on this role. And here we go. We're right into the passage today in Luke 12, all right? And it goes something like this. Someone, that, that's actor number one, that could be you, someone in the crowd said to him, which is Jesus. So you have to go, teacher, my br- tell, come on, tell my brother. Every kid says this to their parents. Dad, mom, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. All right, so there's someone, he's anonymous. He's not one of the disciples, right? It's not the voice of the world, right? I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a specific person, right? It's, it's, some, it's someone. And this one person who you might be playing in, character number one, says, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. What, what is going on here? Oh, man, it's family drama. Family drama. That's, that's what you get when you have a brother, right? You know, uh, this brother, he's likely older. Maybe he's the executor of the estate. Maybe the parents have passed away, right? Uh, maybe, who knows, because not much information here, uh, this brother, he's shifty, he's cunning. You know, who knows whether it's like right or wrong. But the question asker, this someone thinks that he is not being treated fairly, all right? If only, if only a third party, someone with authority and wisdom and power could come in and weigh in on this situation, right? So Jesus is around. He's, you know, he's got a crowd with him. He's a teacher, a rabbi. Uh, he's doing miracles. And so someone goes, I've got a problem. I need it solved. Someone in the crowd says, so this could be you. You're going to be like, this guy, so help you to get into character. This guy um, wants more than he has been allocated, okay? And, and maybe he's got good reason for it. But if you want to get into the character of this guy, you've got to like, I want more. The text, in fact, if you read the passage and the whole context of it, the text suggests that this guy already has a lot, but hey, he wants more. He will never have enough. And it sets him against his brother. It's, his obstacle is not the world. His obstacle is not the circumstances of life. It's his brother. So he comes up to Jesus. He wants more, more than what he has got given to him. He feels like it's unfair maybe, right? Um, he doesn't have enough and it sets him against his brother. It's very clear that the, the opponent is his brother. He wants what his brother has, whether it is his or not. And clearly, you know, like 
it's not his because he's got to argue for it. Uh, so there's some contention there. So to play this part, you must be like a little bit scolding. Tell my brother, you got to be a bit scolding. You need to be a bit grasping. You need to be a bit anxious. There needs to be some anxiety around you. Jesus, Jesus, teacher, like you got to do something. Otherwise, I'm in, I'm in trouble. My brother will not divide this inheritance with me. So it has to compel you to raise your voice above the crowd, okay? So that, that could be you. You could play this role today. I wonder how many of you want to play this role. It's short, uh, not many lines, and it's the role of someone. Let's go to the second part of today. So I want, I want you sort of invested into today's parable, right? Because that's what Jesus does. When he tells this story that has been retold, you know, for, for thousands of years, um, he wants people to relate with the people in the story. But someone in the crowd, this is a real person. Jesus is now going to tell a parable and he's going to introduce the first sort of parable character in his story but Jesus is answering this guy's this someone's question so the first character that's introduced with the second position available for this play is you could be the rich man oh my goodness like even if you're a woman you could play this guy okay so you could be a rich person all right um the rich man he has a name but we won't get into this right now. We'll reveal his name later. Um, he has actually been made to look just like the brother in the crowd. Okay, so he's told to be like the brother in the crowd, but he's different. But he's different. He is a prosperous, can-do guy, all right? This guy, he's thinking, you know, he's like a bit strategic. He's planning, he's buying, he's selling, he's trading, he's getting stuff. He's doing really well. You know, maybe you might want to play him today. So you might go, hey, mom, dad, I'm going to take the second role in this play, all right? He actually, he, get, he talks a lot. He talks a lot in this drama. Even though it's a pretty short drama, he, he talks a lot. But um, he, he, he lives alone. All right? So he inhabits a world where there are no other residents. So as Jesus tells the story, you don't hear about anyone else except for this guy, the rich man. That's how the story is told because nobody else is really mentioned. Maybe it's because he has so much uh, that it has distanced him away from people. Uh, maybe that he owns so much land. You know, the, the, the passage, if you go to Luke 12, talks about, uh, you know, he has a lot of land. Maybe he owns so much land that the next neighbor, neighbor is like really, really far away, beyond the 5K, you know, limit that he can drive to. Um, okay, so if you're going to play this role, you, you get to talk a lot, um, but you kind of have to get used to talking to yourself because <laughs> there's nobody else in this conversation. And you've got to take two kind of postures with this guy, all right? The first one, so if you're going to play this role well, the first one is you have to go into planning mode, all right? You got to go, oh, 
I'm doing so well in life. I got so much stuff. What what am I going to do with all of this? So in Luke 12:18, right? He's so successful. This guy, uh, which might be you, says, "I will do this." Uh, he goes in planning mode and he says, "I will tear down my barns and build larger ones where I will store all of my grain and my goods." So, he, planning mode he thinks, he solves, he evaluates the problem. You know, like, oh my goodness, thank you God for so many things, right? I mean, he doesn't quite say that, but he's like, ooh, I've got so many things. Um, I can't believe I have so much coming, but boom, solved. I have worked out how I'm going to deal with this issue of my stuff. Because, you know, like, he's got a lot. The second mode you have to get into then, if you play this guy, is so you go from planning mode, you go into celebrate mode. So you're like, oh, I have solved my problem, my dilemma, okay? This is my dilemma. If, I, if Jesus was there, I would have asked him this question, but hey, I've, I've solved it. Now that he solved it, you go into celebrate mode, okay? And celebrate mode is a little bit like this. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Oh my goodness, it's time to party, okay? Like this is a coronavirus Zoom party if I've ever seen one. Because he's drinking, there's probably music, there's dancing, but nobody comes. It's a small party. <laughs> In fact, right here is where he speaks his own name. This is the first time we hear him address himself. His name is self. His name is self. He says to himself, uh, the word self uh, in Greek, you know, it, it means soul, your psyche. If you're by yourself, you're an isolated person. You're unconnected, right? So self sits opposed to others, self, okay? So he's with, you get the sense of, he says to himself, he's, no one else is around, right? And like, yeah, hey, me, me, myself and I, my psyche, my soul, me, isolated person, unconnected person. Why don't we just like live it up? Because I've solved it. Anyway, if you're going to play this role, you need to lean into this role, okay? You're portraying a, a person who's safe in his own mansion. Problems are solved. Maybe, you know, he's a little bit drunk. But he's alone, he's content, he's alone, he's rich, he's alone, he's taking it easy, he's alone. And then maybe he like falls asleep in his like contentment. Life is so good. It's not, um, I will be honest with you, it's not like a super happy role to play. But you get a chance to be a bit flamboyant. Okay, you're like, woo, and you get to like boast a little bit. So might be fun. The third role in this play is God, okay? It's a brief role, but it's like decisive, okay? Would you like to play God? Because you could. You, you get the opportunity right now, and you could play God in this scenario, in this play, all right? Uh, maybe it's a bit too big for one person to play. So maybe all your whole family together, you could play the role of God as we act this thing out. 
Luke 12, 20. It, it goes like this. So the guy's partying. He solved his problem. And then suddenly it says, but God said. What? But God said. God plays the role of the party crasher. God's not invited to this eat, drink, and be merry party. God was not invited to the I will say to myself party. Okay? But how did, how did God even get here to this party? Oh my goodness. But if you want to play God, you got to be like decisive, man. Like, I'm God. Right? This man was all alone, but God violates the solitude and he enters the party and he addresses this guy. Uh, he addresses the one whose name is Self. So you, if you're going to play God, you're going to be like, I know what I'm doing. I can do whatever I want, and I can go wherever I please. Last time I checked, I was God, okay? And so you rock up. But God rocks up at this party, and he calls this man by a different name. He calls this man by his right name name, his correct name. God knows the name, actually, of all the players. He even knew the name of the someone who begins this story, all right? He knows how everything plays out in the end. So God comes in and he calls this guy by his real name. He basically goes, your name is not self. Your name is fool, fool, this is what you get to say if you play God, right? Yeah, you, 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 God comes in and he says to this guy, you act your name. The fool that you are. So great have you isolated yourself. You've been so greedy. You've been so focused on acquisition that you have lost your soul, yourself. Fool is the name that God gives him. He basically rocks up and says, you have solved the wrong problem. You have solved the wrong problem and you're about to have problems you didn't even see coming. So I'm thinking, we can play this role together, right? Because we all, all of us kind of get it. Everybody kind of gets this role because everyone dies and leaves their stuff behind. So everyone in your family can even jump in and go, okay, well, we're going to play God's role, right? And we're going to all say this together. You turn around to your, to your family and just go, fool! And so you're pointing to the screen, fool! This is God crashes the party, he calls this guy by his right name, and he highlights the foolishness of this kind of thinking. Uh, now, being God is a little bit demanding, right? If you want to play this role well, uh, because you must sometimes speak the unwelcome truth. Sometimes when the person you're talking to or everyone around is like engaged in delusion or deception. You see, the truth is, when God rocks up on the scene, the truth is, that you will die and you can't take it all with you. All right? And God pretty much says that. He goes in that passage and he says, Hey, fool, you are rich for yourself, but it is not going to be enough. 
then God quotes from the book of Proverbs in this play. And he basically highlights that foolishness brings death. I'll give you the gist of it. You cannot spend enough of your own money or own enough land to break the connection between foolishness and death. Now, fortunately, there's actually a fourth uh, role that you can play in this play, all right? And that is, uh, and, and maybe that, that's you. Uh, you have to read a little bit past um, the passage, but this fourth role is the listener or the disciples. And the, t- the teacher, now he comes to the people who are listening, to the observers, and maybe you want to play that role. And he goes, what do you think? this story is about what do you think this whole parable i want to encourage you to open up luke chapter 12 right get into luke chapter 12 and just read it yourself after church jesus says things like don't be anxious be ready for when god comes he talks about how we are supposed to help others and not just use the riches that we have for ourselves Because we can't take it with us anyway. You know, we're starting this series. It's called What Everybody Needs to Know. What Everybody Needs to Know. And today's topic is God himself. God himself. What everybody needs to know is that God is his own person, and he's going to do his own thing. God is himself. Or as the Old Testament in the Bible would say, when God had to introduce himself, God would say, I am who I am. What everybody needs to know is that there's God. I want to just read to you um, a a scripture, and it actually doesn't matter what you currently think, like that, like that rich man in the in the story, right? The rich man just thought the entirety of life was what he could see materially around him. The this rich man just thought, hey, if I could just solve my daily problems and issues, I'd be good, right? But it didn't matter what this guy thought because God showed up anyway. Let's read from Romans one. Um, 19 to 23. I just want to introduce this concept if I could. Um, It says this, for what can be known about God is plain to them. That's all of mankind because God has shown it to them, all of us. For God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So that they, mankind, so that all of us are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. Or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. And here we go. Here we see this, this tying in of, of, of wise and fool. Claiming to be wise, they became fools 
and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. And I, and I cut short this, but images of animals and, and man-made things and the like. But images, not the real thing, but an image of the thing. I, I don't know where you are in your faith right now or, or what's kind of going on in your life. Um, and maybe you're even reacting to this message. Some part of you just goes, oh my goodness, this guy is just making stuff up. Why is he so arrogant? Can I just get you to hang on just for maybe another 20 minutes as I try to unpack why it is that we're calling this series what everyone, what everybody needs to know. This passage in Romans 1 sets us up, introduces the greatest problem that we have. I want you to think, if you could, name the biggest sin or the biggest issue with mankind. What is the greatest, if you wanted to be insulting, what is the greatest insult? The greatest form of arrogance what is the pinnacle of your entitlement as a person what is that this passage sets it up that the biggest thing that we have done wrong as mankind the the most insulting thing is not that you have like watched porn or you're telling lies or you cheated or you whatever it's not that the greatest offense that we have done. It's so insulting and arrogant is that we are like that rich fool or maybe like a spoiled kid that we look at everything that we have, the very breath that we breathe, the next breath that we have, everything that we have, all of creation that we see, every loved one that we have, the greatest insult is we look at all that we have and we deny God. And we just go, you know what? It's us. It's not God. God did not make me. He did not create this world. There is no God Romans 1 says, even though you're supposed to look at the wonder of the world, all of creation, the immense universe, the stars, the moon, the planets that we can't even count that are out there beyond our sight, the vastness of all the universe, and even when we look at our own lives, as we go deep into our own biology of the cells and the molecules and things that we can't see, like bacteria and viruses and its impact, we're... We're supposed to look at all of that and go, oh my goodness. There's so much I don't know. Clearly, clearly there is a God. And wow, this God is pretty powerful. You know, there is just so much that we could say. If I wanted to, we could take this whole sermon and talk about how wonderful creation is. I, I don't have a lot of time here. So I want to point you to that. And, you know, you can go to our Christian education classes that talks a little bit about the difficult questions of our faith, right? But you could Google. Seriously, you could just Google things like the Goldilocks 
phenomenon, right? That talks about how life on earth had to be such a specific combination of events and positioning and of temperature of the planets and the right environment that it it had to be like Goldilocks, just right. And that the chances of that occurring, oh my goodness, have been growing exponentially as scientists have discovered more and more things that have to have gone exactly right. Another argument is what they call the mousetrap principle, uh, which I don't want to get into, but you can Google that again. Also, the mousetrap principle, which basically says, hey, how did we get a fully functional ecosystem? Like a mousetrap requires, you know, the base. It needs the, the, the bait. It needs the trap that springs, right? If it was just evolution, how would you evolve your way into the mousetrap? Surely there must be a minimum requirement of mechanism, a minimum requirement of mechanisms for the thing to work and then be improved on so you can build a better mousetrap. But you, you wouldn't start with just a base, and then suddenly find you're killing mice with it, so now you're going to put bait on it, and then you're going to put a trap that sprint. You, you, you wouldn't start with that. There has to be some part of a working mechanism. Even, in fact, when you go back to the beginning of creation, how did it even really fully begin? These are big questions, and they're supposed to, supposed to, Make us as mere mortals think, oh man, I don't know how this works. I don't know how to solve it. You know, why do smart people, doctors, scientists believe in God? Now, I know there's many smart people who don't believe in God, but ponder this. Why would somebody who is smart even consider the possibility of God. You know, one of my favorite books is um, The Language of God. It's written by Francis Collins. Francis Collins, he's a smart guy. He's a scientist. He uh, was the head of the Human Genome Project, all right, that collated a whole bunch of, you know, human genome projects around. Um, But it led to one of our greatest breakthroughs in our generation, the sequencing of the human genome, all right? And in the book... Uh, Francis Collins, who is a Christian, who heads up the whole thing, who didn't begin life as a Christian, he said his study made him believe in God more. If you want to know why, pick up his book and read it. These are intelligent people who are trying to look at and observe the world that we are in and go, oh my goodness, God. I like what St. Augustine, St. Augustine, he says this. He's so poetic in his uh, Confessions, book, book 10. Uh, I paraphrase a little bit because it's in Old English, right? What is God? I asked the earth and it answered, I am not he. And all the things that are in the earth made the same confession. What everybody needs to know is that there is a God. So, so if, if there is a God, if he's so real, why doesn't he show himself to us deliberately? Like, oh my goodness, I'm sure you're thinking, if God is real, why do we have to like seek him? Why is he like so supposedly hidden, 
right? Why don't you just go more directly, rock up, you know, in your God clothes, and then just go, I am God. Hello. Have you ever thought about that? It's because, and I'm hoping to answer some of these big questions for you because this whole series is going to take us over the next five weeks and explain to you a little bit about the gospel, why Christians believe what they believe, but why for them it's not just a private faith. It's not just truth for their own personal living of lives. It is things that everybody needs to know, right? Why doesn't God reveal himself in big thunder and lightning and just rock up and just go, hey? It's because whatever relationship he wants to have with you, he wants it to be real. He wants there to be a genuine, real, authentic relationship. You know, there's a story about a powerful king. Um, it's been retold sort of many times, but there's a story about a, a powerful king who falls in love with a common girl. All right, this powerful king, he owns so much. He's got a mighty army. He commands people. Other kings could have had concubines and wives, just as many as they want. But this king, he falls in love with a common girl that he meets. And so he conceals himself as a commoner, and he courts this girl. Now, I'm sure it sounds familiar because so many people have like redone stories of this because it's like so epic. He conceals himself as a commoner, and he courts this girl. He could have commanded that she marry him. He could have sent his army to her house. He could have bought her entire village, but instead he woos her. As a commoner. And when he finally, when they finally, they fall in love, they get engaged, right? They're going to get married. He reveals himself. He reveals himself as this mighty, powerful king. And she asks, why? Why did you, like, I'm trying to save money for Uber Eats. Why did you not tell me you're rich and powerful? Why? And he says to her, in very many iterations of this story that has been told many times, so that I would know that you really love me. So that you would know, so that I would know you really love me. Can you imagine if God really revealed himself in the most unmistakable way, in definitive glory and power, if God really showed up in all his might and power, would your belief in him be anything other than something that was imposed on you? If God showed up in force, with, with might, you wouldn't even have a choice to believe in God, to have faith in God, to trust in God, because it would be so overwhelming and so imposing. Much like that rich, powerful king, who if he came in with his mighty army to this woman, he would never know whether they had a real relationship. You see, God 
takes the seek and you will find approach. Leaving clues everywhere for us. Because he wants us to enter into a genuine, real relationship. And if he were to fully reveal himself, the very nature of God, who he is. Just think, somebody who would have created the entire universe. It just would be overwhelming. You know, um, C.S. Lewis, I love C.S. Lewis and his book, Mere Christianity. Another one of these must-reads. Uh, C.S. Lewis says this about people who like are saying, oh, come on, why doesn't just God show up? Oh, you know, like if God was so real, you know, why didn't he just like rock up at my house? C.S. Lewis has this to say. He says, God will invade. God will invade. But I wonder whether people who ask God to interfere openly and directly in our world quite realize, whether they really realize what it will be like when he does. Because when that happens, it is the end of the world. When the author walks onto the stage, let me tell you, the play is over. By the time God bursts into the scene in the play that we just practiced, okay, it's the end. So you can ask, oh God, please show yourself. But I wonder if we really, really want that to happen. Because it will be a time for God without disguise. Something so overwhelming that it will strike either irresistible love or irresistible horror into every creature. It will be too late then to choose your side. And I love, I love how C.S. Lewis puts it. There's no use saying that you choose to lie down when it has become impossible to stand up. That basically means, oh my goodness, you know, like right now you can say, oh, I choose to believe in God. I choose to do this. I just, Fine, great. But in the presence of God, when you would literally not be able to lift yourself off the ground, what are your choices then? C.S. Lewis then goes on to say, that will not be the time for choosing. It will be the time when we discover which side we really have chosen, whether we realized it before or not. Why are we, why are we doing this series? Why are we doing this series? It's what everybody needs to know. Firstly, if you are a Christian, I want to just talk to you if you're a Christian, right? You need to understand that your faith is not a private faith. Okay, there's a growing misunderstanding now that, you know, as long as, you know, you, you believe what you want to believe, other people can believe what they want to believe, everybody can have their own version of, of truth in the world, whatever it is, right? As long as you're safe, as long as you know what you're doing, all's good. I need to challenge you, church, all of us as a church, we have to, over this series, over this season even, think about more than ourselves. Our faith is not just a private faith. Because either God or not God. Everybody needs to know.
There needs to be a rising passion and desire in our heart of hearts, a real deep conviction for us as Christians, not to lord it over people or to be bossy or, or to even be condemning. And we'll be teaching, we'll be talking about how we can approach other people. But it needs to begin with an overwhelming conviction that there is a God. That there is a God. And that He's not just God of the Christians. He's not just God of your, your, your home and, and FGA. He's God of the world. And at some level, Everybody needs to know God. Now, another reason why we're doing this series, what everybody needs to know, is maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe somebody forwarded you this video. Maybe you are grappling with your faith. Even if you grew up in a Christian family and you're kind of figuring out, oh my goodness, you know, I, I learned in Sunday school about all these things, but now I'm discovering the Sunday school stuff. doesn't really you know, stand up against the test of science and my intellect and stuff like that. Let me tell you, Sunday school stuff was aimed for kids, and that's great. I'm so thrilled at, at, that we're educating kids at a young level. But if you're relying on Sunday school stuff and a Sunday school understanding of God, and you're like 45, uh, you need to upgrade your understanding of God. You need to delve a little bit deeper into this faith. Um, so the second reason why we're doing what everybody needs to know is if you're not a Christian, we would like the opportunity to tell you about God. We really would. Um, over our home group series, which we're, we're running, um, and over our Sunday service, uh, over the next few weeks, there'd be great times for you to just tune in. You can be doing other things just uh, join us for the service because uh, most people you may not know this but most people who reject the idea of God they don't actually reject the possibility of God's existence they reject what they think they know about him and I'm wondering if you sitting there listening to this going, oh man, I don't want to have anything to do with the Christian God. I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus and the church. I'm wondering if the God that you think he is, is the God that he is. I'm wondering if we're all talking about the same God. Uh, maybe join us for the next four weeks as we unpack what this God is like as, we, as he revealed himself to us through his word, through life. Um, we're going to be looking at four major topics of things that everybody needs to know. What everybody needs to know about freedom. What everybody needs to know about justice. What everybody needs to know about love. And what everybody needs to know about truth. And we really believe that these are things that are kind of universal. It's going to be a way for us to communicate the truth and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but in a language of things that are relevant to every single one of us here today. You know, I'm, I'm really, really excited about this series, and I know our home groups have already started talking about this. We're 
We're going to be opening up soon. We're going to be heading into Christmas. We're going to be inviting people over. I think as Christians, we need to get our passion up first. Because sometimes for us, we jump ahead and we, we, we tell people about God. We're so excited about converting them. But it's more out of like, hey, uh, Christianity is all I know. So why don't you do what I do? Or it's out of obligation. Uncle YC said, run a Matthew party. Uh, I, I'm hoping that over these four, five weeks, we would have a raised internal passion that mirrors God's passion for the lost. And you would be convicted to pray for some of your family members. That you'd be convicted to have a burden for your friends, your family, your, your workplace, workmates. Um, to tell them really what everybody needs to know. Just as I close, um, I want to pray for you. If you are sitting here and today has been a reminder about God and his awesomeness and you're sitting a little bit convicted whether you're christian or not you're you're sitting a little bit convicted maybe this lockdown period you know has just been too much self you've said to yourself i've solved my problems i just need to eat drink and be merry and then when uh, daniel andrews lets us out then it will be fine. Maybe you've been a little bit away from God. I want to pray for you right now that this series would rekindle your engagement with God. Because you know what? He's always there. And he's going to show up whenever he wants. So let me pray for you right now. If that's you, uh, just place your hand on your heart. I think every Sunday service can be convicting and can is an opportunity for choice for us. And we can choose God. Father, I pray for each person who's got their hand on their heart even right now. And I pray, Lord God, that this week as they read through chapter 12 of Luke, uh, as they re-engage with you, I pray that you would be so real in their life. Speak to us as a church in Jesus' name right now. And I would like to pray for you. If, if you would like to find out more about God, if, if you are, you know, this is a beginning of some questions and maybe you thought, hey, I just want to explore this a bit more. I want to pray for you. Uh, right now, you're welcome to go to our lobby at fjm.org.au slash lobby. One of our pastors would love to talk to you about Christianity. But I want to pray for you right now as you begin this journey. And I hope you'd stay with us for the next four weeks because we don't want you to like jump in without knowing like everything. Father, I pray for each person that's exploring. I pray, Lord God, that you would really uh, do what your word says, that as they seek, they will find. I pray, Lord God, for this next four weeks for them, that you would bring about opportunities for them to discuss faith with their, with their Christian friends, that they would have encounters with you at home, that you would meet them as they seek after you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, you know, I'm... I'm pumped about this series. Uh, we're just going to end now. Uh, I've got an interview with a very special guest speaker who's coming up in two weeks' time. Um, this guy, he's a doctor, but he's also got a PhD in theology. Um, I, I met him in the States, but you're going to love him. I've been trying to get him to speak at FGA for like maybe five years. But thanks to coronavirus, you know, we get him to come and speak. He's the author of my favorite book on evangelism. We're going to uh, go to a video with um, none other than Sam Chan. Let's go.
I'm so excited to have Sam Chan here. He's going to be our guest speaker on the 4th of October. Hey, Sam, why don't you tell us what have you got in store for FGA? Oh, well, just in case you're wondering, I got to start off with this. I was born in Hong Kong, but as a baby, my parents moved to Australia. We spent two years in Darwin. Back then, that was the only way you could get into Australia, through Darwin. There was the white Australia policy back then. Then six years in Adelaide and almost the rest of my life in Sydney. So I'm sort of both Asian and both Australian at the same time. So I can't wait to come to your church. Uh, and we're going to talk on justice. And one of the first words a kid learns to say is, that's not fair. So somehow it's in the DNA of being human to want fairness, justice and rights. So I'm going to look at, well, where does this cry come from? Because we don't, because animals don't cry out unfair, but humans do. So maybe this is a good way of thinking. Maybe we're more than just animals. We're more than just atoms and molecules. Maybe there's a God who loves us, who made us, and who also saves us. And that's where our rights come from. And this will be a great one for you to invite your friends to as well, because they too are crying out for justice, fairness, and rights as well. And it would be great if they could hear about the God where this cry for justice comes from. Absolutely. You know, Sam is the uh, author of my favorite book on evangelism, uh, Evangelism for a Skeptical World. And I think it won like uh, Christianity Today's Evangelism Book of the Year uh, in the year that I read it, you know. So you guys are in for a treat. Don't miss uh, our special guest speaker on the 4th of October. God bless.